0: on. Wisdom shared by the housewives and the occasional house husband of Scotland in the pages of the Sunday Post in the 1950s. Whatever will they make of it today? Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pass It On podcast with me, Steve and Chris. Um, Today I believe we're going to do knitting 2.0 guys, knitting again. Would we call it knitting 2.0 to 3.0? I'm completely lost on knitting facts. What day is it? Who are you? I have no idea anymore. What does 2.0 mean? What are you talking about? version 2. Why
1: didn't you just say version 2?
0: Well, I don't know if it is version 2. It could be version 3, 4, 5. Anyway, we have definitely done knitting at least
2: once before. But um, Steve decided that because... Uh, a bunch of folk in lockdown are having a crack at knitting again and crocheting and and all that sort of stuff, um, that we would do the same sort of thing here. So we're going to revisit the topic. The book
1: contains a lot of knitting uh, tips. It was a very common skill. In fact, it was a skill you had to do to make clothes. I'll tell you what else I've heard. People have been doing arm knitting, which makes no sense to me at all. I
0: can do finger knitting.
1: Well... If you're knitting using your arms as needles, it must be really difficult to do stuff with the wool, or the rope, or the cord.
0: Maybe you do it with another person. Maybe it's a team-building exercise. All right.
1: Okay. Not going to happen here, then. I won't be doing that. (laughs) Anyway, shall we start? Yes, please. Chris, can you press my button, as it were? Yes, I can. I can also play play, play the Mm -hmm. jingle. (laughs) Knitted Knitted cuffs. When my boy's lumber jacket sleeves got short, I knitted cuffs and sewed them on after removing cuff bands. Mrs. W. Findlay, 13 Strathmore Avenue, Arbroath. Uh, <laughs> Don't say anything bad about Arbroath. I know you're going to. No,
0: nothing. Lumber, lumber jacket. Yes. What is that?
1: It was a sort of. Uh...
0: Like a flannelly, willy sort of thing. Yes,
1: yeah. With a, well, I, you know what? I remember them better when they made their comeback in the 1970s. Oh. So was usually a tartan ish sort of
0: effect. Yeah, like Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, with furry uh, cuffs and a furry collar. Yep. But the notion of having the arms extended <laughs> by your mum knitting it oh, I can tell you now, there was a lot of young men who thought, I don't want that, and were told by their mothers, well, it's that or nothing.
2: Do you think it would be a badge of honour now? Like no. these days, if if somebody was to do that, do you think, well, not if it was your mum, maybe, but do you think, like, if if you yourself, uh, and I don't mean necessarily specifically you, Connie, <laughs> 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 but, but, like, if, if one oneself was to, like, you know, do a bit of patching and sewing and extending the life, do you think... Um, Today's modern youth would uh, respect the fact that they were giving longevity to a, a bit of clothing and a bit of personalization
0: as well. well. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if I, yeah, I probably wouldn't necessarily, but it interests me why they have to extend the arms and not the back. I know the arms grow, but surely
2: that's, <laughs> so that's a very good point. That's very Only good arms. Point. Only arms grow. The rest <laughs> of the body remains exactly the same, but you are born with full length arms, famously. <laughs>
0: But no, but surely the arms grow at a similar speed of the back, of the torso. Yeah, but I, I guess yeah.
2: the, the jacket style probably was was such that there'd be a bit yeah. of bum covering at the That's best, you know, when you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining somebody with a jacket sort of halfway up towards, towards, I cannot, towards I the chest. <laughs> However, to go back a bit on that, Chris, this is definitely a mentality that I would have picked up in the 60s and 70s. Mm. If you had to pass it on clothes, second hand clothes, very, very obviously mended clothes, it was a bit sort of tinkyish, I thought. But nowadays there's a sort of reuse, repurpose, rewear mentality did not exist for me when I was a child.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it does remind me of it. Never really went mainstream, did it? Because I, I, I know that a lot of um, my kind of you know crafty, uh, nerdy, um, hipster friends would certainly have said that they want they, they liked the idea of you know taking something that was you know bought maybe secondhand and then patched and you know mm-hmm. about like in the sixties you would you would take pride in the you know floral prints that you would put in your knees of your. Denim jeans or whatever, but um, yeah, but that kind of attitude never really, never really went into the mainstream. I kind of thought it might because you know a lot of that kind of more progressive stuff does eventually bleed back down, but it, it kind of stayed as like a, a, a cult thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was certainly I liked the notion of faded jeans, but did not like the notion of uh, my school trouser knees being patched. Mm. And I don't, I suppose that says a lot about my sort of. Aspirational self, but that was the way it was back then.
2: I did have to say the other day, I was walking down the street and I did see a couple of young women walking towards me, and I I did catch myself going, what like those jeans? There's just nothing to them. Like they were they were so ripped and fun. How do you put your legs down those? How do you not just put your With foot difficulty. through them? <laughs> well,
0: when there are when there are slashes in the thigh region, they make very good wine glass holders.
2: Ah, <laughs> a handy <Dude>. tip. <laughs> <But> no, that's, <laughs> like, that's a
0: really good tip. You can just slip it in and then sort of exactly. tense it. And you, and your that arms will are the free for all forms of activities. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they made a chains. That's a, it, that's, chains. That's a very good
1: tip. That's a good modern tip, yeah. It's slightly bizarre <laughs> modern tip and a very conny-ish <laughs> modern tip, I have to point out.
0: Can I <laughs> say something slightly off topic, but... But I just want to know. Why
1: change now? Why change your (laughs) habits of your entire career?
0: So I watched Saturday Night Fever for the first time ever the other night. And Steve, was it like that when you were young in the 70s? Oh in discos,
1: yeah, it was. I was like literally that, yeah.
0: born in the wrong era because I was watching it. I knew all the songs. Never watched the film in my life, but watched the watched the film. Knew the songs. Was oh, I really was in that sense born in the wrong era. And I just wondered if that was what it was like. <laughs> you know what's
1: really changed? that like I've been in a nightclub for for several weeks now, but <laughs> but you had to ask somebody to dance in those days, and that doesn't seem to happen now.
0: No, not really.
2: Well, it has likewise been, I mean, a matter of days since I've last been in a nightclub. But but, I mean, like, you know, even when I was a a Wayne, even when I was Curtin, um, I wouldn't like formally ask someone to dance. I wouldn't say, may I have this dance? (laughs) Mark my card. But, um, you know, you just there would be no verbal kind of asking. What would you do? How would this happen? Well, you'd be, you know standing next to somebody and there would be jigging and there would be you know <laughs> gesturing and there would be you know eyebrows involved and
0: it all just kind of happened quite naturally. Bumping and grinding.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, see okay. I, I would I would very formally make sure that I knew who I was dancing with. Would
0: you bow and curtsy beforehand?
1: <laughs> I would tap on the shoulder or tap on the arm, say would you like to dance?
0: Could you reach? <laughs> You would have had your Cuban heels on.
1: Both of our listeners probably think that I'm about four foot three. <laughs> oh, you are oh, well that's overestimating <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Connie it is giraffe size. That's what it is.
0: I, I am giraffe <laughs>
1: size. That is true. For a Scottish male, I'm the normal height.
0: Good one. Length <laughs> uh, had I. What's the word horizontally ways maybe. <laughs>
2: Like, okay, Connie. Mind right, Connie, if you're, butter, good, if, you're, if you're going to... If you're going, that wasn't where she was going, she so was just calling you fat, Steve. <laughs> but apart oh. from anything else, <laughs> if you're going to insult somebody, Connie, for God's sake, get it right.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what then, I have, put, I have put on some weight during this lockdown thing. Well,
2: it's kind of strange. I find that um, I can't tell if I'm spending more money or less oh, because
0: spending more money on I'm, money. Sp-
2: I'm spending... Like vast amounts of money in supermarkets now, obviously, but I'm also not spending money on like lunches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at the, from the office. So I, 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 I daren't look at my bank account. I really daren't.
0: It was payday today, guys. It was. Oh, I we
2: record this. It was payday. My God. Goodness <laughs> for that. Um, Steve, you promised that this would be an episode about uh, knitting. And so far, we've done one, ep- one tip. Shall we, shall we try and squeeze one more in before our ad break? Yes.
1: Button my press again. Handy table. I bought a knitting machine and did not have a table for it. I found that using my ironing board was ideal. Mrs E. Carberry, 324 Craig Park Drive, Glasgow.
0: I have nothing to say.
1: (laughs) Connie, when you've got nothing to say, say nothing. (laughs) Can you imagine a house that doesn't have a table to put a knitting machine on that goes then to buy a knitting machine? I don't think she should have thought this out before she went.
0: Well, she probably <laughs> does have a table, but maybe, she, maybe it's like a dining table and she's got six children that sit at it to do their homework and their meals and she can't be arsed moving her machine every ten minutes.
1: Her name was Carberry, not Hubbard.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm assuming she has a table, maybe just not a suitable table.
2: What do we think that the attitude was to knitting machines? I don't in, know what in this knitting was. <laughs> I know this well, uh, to be Connie. Honest. Could you could you essay a guess, Connie?
0: Well, yes, because I'm thinking of <laughs> Wallace and Gromit um, sort of knitting invention. <laughs> that if you have seen the one with the sheep in it, I can't remember what one it is. They've all got sheep in them. I'm pretty sure there is a Wallace and Gromit knitting machine that does. Yeah,
2: so so it's just it's just a a big wide machine that you program with um with with knitting stitches and then you run a a thing from side to side to side to side and it just knits for you
0: surely it's just cheating
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's a way of knitting uh, which is much less labor intensive and also requires a a, a little bit less skill but that's okay i i don't like the idea as you both know i ride an electric bike and people Mm -hmm. always say to that on their first hearing oh that's just cheating and i go yep (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. I think there's totally nothing wrong with taking um, shortcuts and getting to do stuff in a way that makes
0: sense. The Knitomatic is what it's called, and a close shave by Wilson Cromot.
2: Anyway, Steve, you're going to tell me what the attitude was to knitting machines in the 50s and 60s. Well, when I
1: was a young man growing up um, uh, and became a very keen football supporter, but there was no place really to buy a football scarf there was no club shops in those days. You had to fashion your own scarf. And my mother, who owned a knitting machine, set up a bit of a cottage industry and knitted scarves and football colours for most of my friends, even some who didn't support the same team as I did, which I thought was a bit of a... Uh, you know, I'd not thought of that for years.
0: Well, but, knitting machines?
1: Um, no, my mother doing that. She used to, oh. uh, to get the mothers of the other boys to pay for the wool, but took no money for it herself. And I remember getting a shot of the, because uh, there was no adjustments to be made. You were able to zip the uh, knitting machine handle thing over and over and over until the stripe was was deep enough. And then a scarf came out at the end.
2: God, hmm. I haven't thought of that forever. It's a, it's a really sweet thing for her to do. And also it was a comparatively simple thing for her to do. So yes. it, uh-huh. it wasn't it wasn't a, a big imposition. You know, like it, you know, knitting an iron jumper could take somebody uh weeks, mm-hmm. um, you know, something quite complicated uh with a pattern, but like a, a scarf is just, you know, zip zip yeah. zip zip a it was a canny thing for her to do because it was quite nice and easy to do, but it meant it was a really nice gesture as well.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: I don't think we appreciated
1: it at the time we were more interested in the football.
2: <laughs> Probably, you still are, Steve. Yeah, true. And would um would you have like, taken pleasure in the fact that these were like homemade, or would it have been a bit embarrassing? Would you rather have had a had one from the club shop or wherever?
1: There was no such thing as a club shop, as far as I recall. I remember you could buy. So where would
2: folk have got football yeah, scarves?
1: Almost any, almost everybody who had a knitted scarf had it knitted by their mother.
0: Ah, like why there's not so many that. variations and things that? Are no,
1: there would of... be official club merchandise which certainly in Dundee were sold in Cairns but they were very expensive and they were almost sort of um, cravat, neckerchief sort of scarves, usually made of material rather than wool nobody sold mm. wool and scarves of the mm. type that you see, bar scarves that you, you see, they are all made or certainly prior to the 1970s certainly—they were all made by mothers at home.
0: That's interesting because there is, isn't there like a
2: um, you know one of the arguments for school uniform is that it puts everybody in in the same stuff, so you can't yes. like, the rich kids can't have a nicer jumper and the poor kids get a ratty one. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a sort of democratising thing about that with, like, uh, sports scarves that you would get these days, so everybody would be on the terraces and the same sort of thing. Uh-huh. But, like, you know, there, there would have been folk, you know, in, the, in these scarves that would have been, you know, better colours. And I'm, I'm really fascinated at the sort of you know, rivalry that might have been between different people with different slightly better or worse scarves. I, bet <laughs> there was some... I suppose there would have been, yeah. It, yeah.
1: it, it never really occurred me, but there were, there were more fancy scarves. There were sort of... Uh, chain sort of thing, mostly worn by women, um, I have to say, but it was very regimented. You wore a bar scarf and it was, there was a sort of accepted width of bar that you would wear. Gee.
0: Yeah, I had honestly never, that had never crossed my mind, to be completely honest. Ever. Yeah. Not that it's something that should have crossed, well, I don't know. I just hadn't thought about it before. No,
1: it's something I've not thought about for, honestly, decades since I've considered that notion. I mean, nowadays, nowadays, you go into a, a club shop and you, you buy a scarf that looks like it's been knitted by your mum because mm. it's a traditional way to show support.
0: Indeed. Um, we are just going to go to a quick break. Um, we will be right back after this.
2: Chris here, stepping into Steve's usual little ad slot. Just to say, we're shortly going to be wrapping up this first season of Pass It On after a year of publishing every week. It has been massive amounts of fun for all three of us and i hope for you too but our success has like steve been modest we've extended the discount code for the password on books to 30th of june 2020 you just have to use the word darning at checkout at dcthomsonshop.co.uk and all the episodes will stay up for a good long while so you can catch up with our earlier episodes you can help us make a case for a second series by buying the books and telling your friends to listen to season one Book sales and downloads help us prove that our kind, interesting little experiment is loved and wanted. And isn't that all anybody wants? Anyway, back to the show.
1: And welcome back, folks. And I can tell you that I have gone and looked out my scarf because we're at home. I've looked out my oldest football scarf, although it's not one that was knitted by my mother. But I'm wearing it now. Can you, Steve? Please take a selfie. Do you
2: have your phone handy? Oh my God. I can. I can send
1: you such a thing. Huh.
2: Magic. Once we've finished recording, take a selfie and um, we'll stick it on at the Pass It On pod on Twitter. Please leave your dressing
0: gown and slippers on, also, for full effect. Well,
1: well, I have to say, I I have a beard now.
0: <gasps> oh, that's Dear exciting. God. I know you and been... look like twins. Have you shaved your head as well? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. I do need a haircut, though. But I've been growing a beard just for fun. Um, not enjoying it much, though, to be honest.
2: There's not much fun. There, there's definitely a pain Point or an irritation point, but you've yeah. got to. you got to. um Plus, did you not push through that
0: conditioner on the beard?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A little bit, a little bit of shampoo and conditioner works wonders. But but Steve's not at that stage yet, or he won't no. be. He's only been out of work for three or four weeks. Um, by the time we record this, so he will be at the this beard is very annoying stage. Mm. Yes, but give it, but give it another month, we'll be fine. Actually, talking of uh, the at the Pass It On Pod Twitter account. I don't know if either of you have seen yet, but we got a fantastic reply from a chap called John who says, do you remember a couple of episodes ago we talked about the fact that uh, people were recommending uh, waxing your thread? Yes. Uh, So he says, um, uh, hey, I can confirm that waxing cloth works. I've been trained to do that with thread for my entire career, fixing books. And I thought you'd particularly like, Steve, that there was not only vindication for your tip, but that the chap who was using it was using it for an ancillary idea. I uh, and books as well.
0: What's an, 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 an ancillary? What does that mean? Ancillary just means like uh, associated.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I love this. She must be making really quite expensive bound books yeah. okay. by hand.
0: Information pres- Preservation Books as Objects The Future of Life Yeah, so he's a book guy Yeah
2: Cool And he's um, in uh, America as well But looks like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What's his name? Uh, John John It's uh, John, I might mask your surname I apologise if I do But I've got it as Schweitzer Lammy
0: Yeah, I would have said that too Oh, hi John
2: Hi John Good on you, mate So give us some more tips, Mr um, I will do that I will do that uh, Hit the
1: button again For right size when I want to buy buttons for a new knitted cardigan, I search my button box for one that fits the buttonholes and then take it to the shop along with a piece of wool for colour. That way, I don't have to carry the garment with me. Mrs Very F. Reynet, it's good, isn't it? Mrs F. Rainet, 126B Rannoch Road, Letham, Perth.
0: Oh my God. I, see, if you always say Letham Angus, I was way to say that everybody does that because when I worked in Letham Craft Shop. All knitters and sewers alike do that. So that is really? no, no news to me.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good tip though, because like you don't realize unless you are a crafter yourself that, you know, you just think like, you know, blue is blue or red is red or whatever. Um, but the, 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 the you know, ball to ball, the colour can vary because, of course, you're dealing with a natural substance. Yes. Maybe not, maybe not natural dyes, but you're dealing certainly with a wool thread underneath it. The yarn is natural. So, you know, if you put a slightly yellowy or wool into the vat of dye, it might come out a bit more greeny or whatever. Mm. And so, yeah, it's really quite hard to, to maintain your consistency of colour across the garment.
1: Do you know the cure for that? What? The cure for it. The cure no. for it used to be to write to the Sunday Post because the Sunday Post had a column called... Can you do me a favour? And every single oh, really? week, there was at least one or two people saying, does anybody have a ball of uh, medium oatmeal shade 3B left? I need to finish a garment. And mm-hmm. sometimes they'd even ask for half a ball. Sometimes they'd even ask just for a few yards of it to, to finish a garment. And mm-hmm. kind people in the Sunday Post would would help each other out in that way. It was a lovely thing.
2: It's tricky, isn't it? Because like you, you can't really um, estimate how much wool you need at the start. of it. you know the, yeah. the pattern will say this will take roughly six balls or whatever. But you may get it wrong, and you know you don't want to because wool can be hella expensive, and you don't want to buy a, a, a skein that you're not going to use. So you, mm. I can imagine folk being coming up short frequently.
0: You normally get twenty-four balls in a, 24, 100 gram balls in a dye lot, I believe. That could be, but that's what it used. That's what it was at one point, I believe. So every twenty-four balls of wool that you would get in a pack is which is how they used to come from the supplier. There would be a different dye lot per pack, basically, and people were always really reluctant to just buy one. Like so, if they were needing, there was only one ball left in lot one and then they needed more, so they would just leave mm-hmm. that individual one, and you would end up all the time with all these just random balls of wool.
1: Yeah, they yeah, could
0: sell as a pair, or anything that would be enough for, you know, a proper item.
1: You know what, guys? That's made me think of, because I've not lived with my mother now for oh, well over 30, getting off of 40 years, Um I cannot remember the last time I saw a ball of wool that has the... A bit of paper wrapped around the middle. A band. The way balls of wool used to come. They they still come like that. Do they?
0: Yeah, yeah they do.
1: Um, I have not seen one like that for oh, decades. Well,
0: Often the inside of the little band has like tiny little patterns where you can make little baby flowers and things. Like little oh, things out of scraps, yeah.
2: That's way cool. Hmm. Waste not, want not. Shall so we try and get one more tip in before we wrap this baby up? Yeah. Steve, have you got one more for us?
1: Hit it. Wool container. Empty oat cake drums. That was difficult to say. With a small hole pierced in the top, make good holders to keep wool clean while knitting. Mrs. G. Young, 402 Main Street, Brothers Glen.
0: Like a tissue box?
1: Mm, I think they were made of metal or maybe. Yeah, but
0: the effect of the, you would have it poking out the top in a, a constant feed sort of Yes, like. yeah. yes, exactly that, yeah.
1: Ah. Uh-huh. Hmm. But again, I'd forgotten that that was the way you used to buy uh, oatmeal, porridge oats. You didn't buy in a box, you didn't buy in a bag. It came in a cylindrical container. In fact, nowadays you can get a fairly uh, upmarket swoosh porridge oats in drums like that. But that was the way it used to come all the time when I was a kid.
0: I keep my breadcrumbs in one of them and it was my granny's. Oh,
1: that's nice. Got one. Made of tin?
0: Yeah, it is made of tin, but it's not got the original lid on it. It's got a plastic lid that I think she must have maybe lost the lid or damaged it. Right. And she's found one that's fitted because it's a plastic see-through tupperware type one, but the tin is tin.
1: I'm recalling uh, cardboard ones that were a bit like large insides of toilet rolls. And um I remember putting one on the fire just terrible. I remember putting one on the fire. Don't just do at home, kids.
2: <laughs>
1: With a slater inside it, and uh, it, the fire took quite some time to sort of take hold. God, what a cruel child I was!
2: Funny, it's a little boy thing, isn't it? Yeah, little boys do terrible things to uh, to insects and other. What, what
1: do you guys slaters? call slaters?
2: So
0: I would call it
1: slater as well,
2: but um, woodlice is the more usual.
1: Yeah. Uh, Have fun. you ever
0: googled the words for them? There's like I billy bugs and piggy. Yeah. Yeah. Things. I don't know what they're called. but what? Yes. what
2: um, Connie, do you know what a, a slater is most closely related to? Probably humans or bananas or something.
0: It's a crustacean.
1: It is a crustacean, yeah. Oh. But related to lobsters and crabs, yeah. They're not oh. insects.
0: I don't really care about insects. Spiders and stuff don't bother me. Wasps I'm a bit scared of. But slaters and eerie wigs, oh, they make me feel very unwell. Oh
2: no! Centipedes are by far the most horrible oh, small beast. Giant Whoa. African slugs. <laughs> our um, our my daughter goes to nursery and they have a pet snail, oh. a giant African land snail. Yep. And um, the teacher today sent out uh, an update. Obviously, all the schools are out right, as we record this uh, for coronavirus. Teacher sent out an update today, uh, um, showing us how she'd been cleaning Gary the snail's cage, and she'd have a nice picture of her holding the snail with it actually crawling up her arm. Mm-hmm. And it was oh. um. I, my my daughter was so excited to see it. She was so excited to see Gary again, um, and can't wait to get back to to, to mm. play with him. I was like, hmm.
0: yeah,
1: yeah, not for me.
0: No, not me neither. Could be no,
1: tasty no. though.
0: Oh, snails? That. That's disgusting. I wouldn't eat a snail. I couldn't eat snails. Yuck. Escargot. Is that right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. I tried it. It's really
2: nice, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Okay, I think we're done for today. Are we done for today?
2: I, I I'm I, I'm am done. Chris, you're you're <laughs> like, done. I, Phil, I, I need,
0: stop. Never mind. I am gin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm,
2: I mean, this is the earliest we've recorded one of these from our home. It's about five o'clock just now. Normally, it's five hours later in the day, and yet <laughs> I am done for the day. Uh, and gin will be in my not very distant future.
0: No, me that I'm going to wait to do the food shopping and probably have to queue for six hours and then come back and wine. Yay! In my ripped jeans. <laughs> okay guys thank you again for joining us we will be back next week with more madness or possibly genius no wrong way Yep. no no keep going we will be back again next week with more madness or possibly genius from the household of scotland in the 1950s and for more nonsense from us here in scotland today thank you